tell you what you're listening to. Welcome to Father Simon Says on Relevant Radio with Father Richard Simon. I'm here to answer your questions. Have a question? Give us a call. 1-888-914-9149. As any question you may have about the Lord, the faith, and the church. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is, in fact, a radio show called Father Simon Says on Relevant Radio. Boy, when you're a kid... Advent is the longest season of the year. I mean, really, I, I don't know if, if everybody did it, but we would get those little calendars that you open up, and it took forever to get to Christmas. Now, of course, Christmas is, you know, the first Sunday of Advent, and Christmas is yesterday. We always say, you gotta you got to have a more spiritual Advent. It's tough to do, because it, it just goes, they have what? What the voice in my head say? This is live. They have beer and wine Advent calendars now. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, Lord, I think we need to pray. (laughs) Uh, In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit. They shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Lord, you taught the hearts of the nations by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us by that same Spirit to have right judgment in all things and evermore to rejoice in his comfort through Christ our Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I I can remember when Advent was kind of a miniature Lent. It was a penitential season, and there was the same fasting that you did in Lent, the two meatless snacks and then the one main meal. And uh, the great the great debate was, could one morally eat at uh, the office Christmas party to stave off drunkenness? And um, some theologians would have said yes, but most theologians would say, don't drink that much. So uh, it's good advice. That but they're is having... some weird, wild stuff. <laughs> weird, wild funny. stuff. Yeah, we did. Know that. Uh, yes. yes, penance. But so now they have beer and wine advent calendars. I knew when they started putting chocolate in the advent calendars that, well, it was it was the beginning of a steady slope. Well, let's not complain. I'm so good at it. Let's go to the big book on the coffee table. This is uh, the uh, beautiful, beautiful. I love that section of the, uh, well, I love the Handel's Messiah Um Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, and it's it's a great word in in Hebrew. Comfort my people, it it actually is related to a word meaning to, that has to do with sighing. Uh, it, it's just a, a lovely word. Um, uh, in Hebrew, it's nacham, but it, it means to console oneself, to be sorry. But it's actually, I think, related to a word. Uh, meaning to sigh. Let me let me see if I can find that real quickly. Here it is. Um, yeah, to 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 um, to. Yeah. It's from a primitive root meaning to breathe strongly, to sigh. Uh, what a wonderful thing to think. Uh, you're going. Oh, 
Poor Jerusalem. And, well, that's appropriate. So, that said, let's see here. Comfort ye my people. Speak tenderly. Just another beautiful word. Speak tenderly uh, um, uh, to to my people. Um, uh, that... This idea is, 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 well, it's speak upon the heart. That, that's really, I think that's what, let me look up the word just to make sure. Yeah, speak upon the heart. You know, speak to, this is beautiful. I think it's beautiful stuff. Comfort my people. Speak to the heart of Jerusalem and, and proclaim to her that, that her service is at an end. Um, I, I, it's a beautiful word. I'm, I'm getting all excited about a word here, but that I do that. Um, the the um, let's see here. Is there anything else I want to um, look at there? Oh, it's all so gorgeous. Let me let me go back to verse three here, and just because it's it's gorgeous, speak to the heart of Jerusalem, and uh, prepare a way for her in the wilderness, or pre- prepare a way in the wilderness. Um, that really it, it it's not her so much her service let's look at this it's it it really is warfare her warfare her struggle is ended it's the word for warfare so um uh, i don't know why they translated um her service is is uh at an end her, her guilt is expiated indeed she's received from the hand of the lord double for all her sins and in A voice cries out, in the desert, prepare a way for the Lord. Make straight a waste in the wasteland. That word is is, uh, um, uh, really, uh, it means uninhabited pasture land. And the idea is, it's not just the word here for for highway is, it's literally a highway. Um, The the idea is to build a raised up road. that that doesn't get flooded, it doesn't get washed away. It's raised up. It's a kind of a raised on a causeway, so it's a highway, uh, quite literally. I I don't know. I just think this is a beautiful passage of scripture. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be made low. Um, when John the Baptist uh, uh, came proclaiming the coming Lord, make straight, you know, uh, the road. Uh, what people would have to do if the king's highway went through their town or in front of their house, they were responsible to to uh, um, uh, they were responsible to fill in the potholes and if there were speed bumps or bumps that had accumulated to level them out. Uh, this is in the proclamation. Uh, you hear me clicking away just to make sure I'm not making this up. Uh, this is in the proclamation of. The uh, oh, it's a grain of salt. Um, yeah, it is here. Uh, a voice calling the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. This is the idea. Every valley is filled in, every mountain laid low because the king is coming. So this, but I think the thing that's fascinating is that this was the responsibility of the people of the town or the place where through the road went. Uh, um, that That's our job in a way. Uh, we're the ones who are supposed to prepare for the way of the Lord by 
by smoothing out the bumps and filling in the valleys. I think this is a, a lovely, lovely idea. Well, let's move on. A voice is cry out. What shall I cry out? All flesh is grass. All the glory like the flower of the Lord. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word, when the, when the breath of the Lord blows upon it, so then the people is grass. Though the grass withers and the flower fades, the word of the Lord endures forever. I, I, I cling to those words. You know, if God, and this isn't just the Bible lasts forever. I think you can lump the Bible in, but this is about uh, what God has said won't go away. And this is proven to be true. It has not gone away. Uh, we are still reading this 2,600 or 700 years later. Um, I think that that's important. Um, if God has said it, he will accomplish it. Um, oh, dear. Here comes the bad part. <laughs> Are we ready? Uh, I, You know, I may be wrong about this. Let's pray. I am. Uh, he comes. His recompense is with him. His reward is with him. Um, like a shepherd, he feeds his flock. And in the arms, he gathers the lambs, carrying them in his bosom, leading the ewes with care. Um, uh well, I suppose I'd, I'll talk about it. Why not? There is a kind of lamb that is very, or, or sheep, that's very dangerous to the rest of the flock. It's called a fencer. Sheep are very gregarious. That comes from the Latin word for flock, grex gregis. They, they like to flock together. Uh, have you ever wondered why, why it's the sheep and the goats? I mean, goats are very useful. I, goat is quite yummy, and, well, I'm not that fond of goat milk, but goat cheese is okay. And, uh, you know, goats are useful animals. What's so much better about a goat than a sheep? You know, he's going to gather the sheep together and separate the goats and the sheep. It is much easier to herd sheep. Sheep are more gregarious. They like to travel in flocks. Goats kind of, well, you have to kind of convince them to... To, to come with you. But sheep, they hear the voice and they follow. That's good, but it can also be a drawback because sheep, when they see the, the, that face, of, that side of a sheep not capable of, of facial expression, they follow it. And if you've got a, 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 a sheep who is what they call a fencer and he finds a way through the fence, he'll go through the fence and the flock will follow him. You know, this is important. And that lovely calendar with Jesus having the sheep over his neck. Now, I'm hoping this isn't true, but I've spoken to some shepherds and they say, yeah, not so much anymore, but it used to be true. That if a sheep was a persistent fencer, he was dangerous to himself and to the flock. And the shepherd would actually break one of the bones in the sheep's leg. And that sheep would never stray very far from the shepherd again. Um... I think there's a kind of sermon in there. That's why, well, that's why the shepherd's carrying him. You know, with your rod and your staff, you give me comfort. That the rod and the staff is, that we read about in the psalm, they're there for a weapon to sheep upside the head because sheep can be pretty, pretty thick-headed and stupid. At least this sheep can be. So, I probably ruined this beautiful image out there. I heard sheep somewhere. Um, I probably ruined this whole thing for you, but. Um, the job of a shepherd is not an easy job, and uh, the shepherd sometimes has to be a little tough with the sheep, especially if you've got a, a sheep who, who's leading the flock astray. So, you know, uh, uh, take it for what it's worth. All right, let us go to the gospel. The gospel is Matthew. Uh, well, this is, I've basically spoken about it. 
If a man has a hundred sheep, one of them goes astray. Will he not leave the ninety-nine in the hills and go in search of the stray? Um, and if he finds it, amen, I say to you, he rejoices more over it than the ninety-nine that did not stray. Now, I've just explained that that the shepherd may have actually had to... You know, I remember talking to a, a young seminarian in in, uh, in Fort Worth, Texas, uh, whose family um, were ranchers, and they had cattle, and they had sheep, and... Uh, he said, "Yeah, we don't do that anymore. We, it's not it's not approved of. But in the old days, you didn't break the leg; you, you just kind of shot it." And I thought, "My goodness, this, this this sounds awful." But that's the idea. You injured you you didn't harm the 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 sheep, but you hurt it. That was going to hurt. And sometimes we are so persistent in our sin and I wanted to get out of the the corral and uh, lead the sheep astray that the Lord kind of has to say we need to we need to talk uh so but let's look at this psalm this is a, this this gospel passage it's a i can just feel people going oh no I, but but i always like the calendar on the refrigerator with jesus with the lamb over his neck surely you, you can can't still be serious. like it i am serious I'm, and don't call yeah, me surely don't surely you surely you jest all right moving along here the uh oh the voices in my head are larky but uh, this idea i remember when i when i was uh, um uh, when i was younger i actually talked to a number of shepherds because i wanted to learn about this um and I thought, well, 99, she got 99 sheep. Spring is coming. There'll be more sheep. Why am I going to risk my life in, in, in the wilderness over this one sheep? And I remember talking to a, a priest who had been a shepherd at the foot of Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa. And he said, oh, no, no, sheep are very valuable. If you lose one sheep, you go looking for that, 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 that lost sheep. And this idea, why? It doesn't seem fair. He rejoices more over it than the 99 that did not stray why is this one sheep so very special? Uh, well, I explained about the, the the leg. Oddly enough, this is what I read. I, I, I'm, I'm trusting what I read on this. But that sheep realizes it is now weakened, and it realizes how much it needs the shepherd. When a sheep gets lost and gets found by the shepherd, that sheep realizes how much he needs the shepherd. So the Lord loves the repentant sinner. We read that there's more joy over this repentant sinner than over the 99 who didn't need repentance because the repentant sinner realizes how much he needs the Lord. And uh, uh, there are very few good things about sin. This may be the only one of them to be lost in sin. I mean, really lost in sin, not just lost in your own delusions, but to realize when you realize the nature of your sinfulness, the scripture verse, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is ours in Christ Jesus becomes, to me, it becomes a central verse. You know, you can take everything away, but nothing can separate you from the love of God and that dovetails nicely with what we read in the first reading. The word of the Lord endures forever. And what Jesus is saying in this in this um, story here, this story of the lost sheep, um, that the Lord loves the lost. Um, just the same way is not the will of your heavenly father, one of these little ones be lost. We think of those as children. I don't know that it, refer it refers to children, but I don't think exclusively. 
I think it refers to the unimportant people. You know, you have the, the great people in the world who think that they're the movers and shakers of society, the great. Well, the Lord is much more concerned for the small. And, and you know, when we realize our own smallness, um, we draw closer to the Lord. And again, uh, let me jump back up to the first reading that, that um, you know, all flesh is grass. Nobody in this world is great except for the f- fact that God loves us. No one in the world is great. The important people in the world, you know, they're not that important. They're going to have a short life and uh, they will get, if they are lucky, what you and I will get, six feet of dirt. Um, unless they know the Lord. So when you think of the little ones, it isn't just children. It's the unimportant people. It's it's the person that you meet in the grocery store. It's the little old lady next door. It is, it is uh, uh, the person of small education, um, the little ones. These are the ones uh, who, among whom Jesus... Uh, Uh, chose to be born and to live. All right, that thought, let's go to a break, and we'll open the phones at 888-914-9149. There ain't no little ones in God's eyes. 888-914-9149. Do call in. I think we'll have plenty of time for phones. We'll come back with some letters. receive hundreds of your phone calls every day thanks to the Catholic Order of Foresters studio line. Our sponsor offers flexible life insurance and annuities. Visit relevantradio.com slash forester today. An Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. I have friends from Guantanamo. I should tell you those stories someday. Uh, great folks. So I don't know if Telma's listening, but she's a Guantanamera. So I think she's a Guantanamera. Uh, that means the girl from Guantanamo. Uh, well, maybe she's really more Santiago. Uh, what am I talking about? Let's go to letters. Cubans, they are great fun. Trust me. Okay, letters. All right. This is from, I don't want to use the name on this one, but uh, this is somebody who uh, went to Mass, uh, a Sunday Mass, uh, on the way home from work. When I got there, the front door was closed but not locked. I went to the vestibule and saw an usher by the inner door, uh, which was also as he would not let me in because I was late. I was younger then and did not know any better. I ended up at a reverend parish that would propel me to go and be on fire for my Catholic faith. Uh, so I heard of relevant radio for the first time in that parish. Well, it was a blessing for you. I guess this is Javier uh, from L.A. It was a blessing, but it does seem a little odd to me. This is not, you know, in a, in a theater, they won't let you in if you if you come later than the beginning of the play sometimes. And uh, But... That's something I've never heard of. That was kind of new. So, um, Javier, just think the Lord had something else for you. Uh, and and uh, uh, there you go. All right. Uh, the, um, you know, I, I should be nice to ushers. Hold on. for Just. 
I'm sneezing and trying to reach my my cough button. I, oh, that's the cough button. I don't oh, I'm glad you're button. using it. That's good. Yes, the the voice I just said glad. Well, I, I, this is it live. was a stretch. All right, let's go. Um, <laughs> I want to. Okay, all right. Oh, this is broadcasting excellence, isn't it? Moving right along, the next letter. Um, uh, uh, the phones are open, by the way. I mentioned this. 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. Okay, let me go back to the inbox. Okay. Um, this is from Maria. Uh, I went to Mass after Mass. Now, this is a hard, this is kind of hard. I went to Mass. After Mass, a team of cleaning ladies came out to sweep and dust around the sanctuary. One of them came out with a stepladder, removed her shoes, and climbed up to the main altar where the tabernacle is. Standing right near the tabernacle, she proceeded to dust the angels. She knelt down right in front of the tabernacle, pressed her body against it to clean the top and back of the tabernacle. Is this appropriate or allowed? You know, as a pastor, if someone's going to volunteer to dust my angels, I don't know that I want to get too picky about it. But on the other hand, um, you know, it's interesting. The Holy of Holies in Jerusalem, no one could enter it but the high priest once a year on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. But it had to be cleaned. In the in the Holy of Holies was a perfect cube, 20 cubits, which is about, oh, I want to say a foot and a third or a foot and a half. A cubit is the distance from your elbow to the tips of your fingers. Uh, it was 20 cubits by 20 cubits by 20 cubits. And so there would, above the Holy of Holies, there was kind of a, a space and there were little holes cut in and Levites would be lowered down in baskets facing the wall and they would clean the walls of the Holy of Holies. Um, and, and never looking into the Holy of Holies itself, just looking away from the, the place where the Ark was. Uh, and when the Ark was gone after the Babylon exile, um, the, the flattened out spot on the rock was still there. They faced away from it. So they had a great reverence for it. So, you know, I guess I would suggest, uh, uh, to anybody who's volunteering to clean the altar, Get a nice long pole with a dusting thing at the end because you don't want to give scandal. And make sure, you know, uh, one, one should be reverent and one should be careful. I, I, I don't know that there's any rule against it and I don't know how you manage it. But um, on the other hand, it is the Blessed Sacrament. and One should have great, great reverence for, for it. Of course, uh, we're talking about Eucharistic revival and I... I just hope the bishops can get that genie back in the bottle because we don't have much reverence for the Holy Eucharist. So I just thought I'd mention it and say, I don't know what to do. All right. Now, this is an interesting one. This is from, I don't want to mention the last name, someone from Chicago uh, who's just, the first name is Z. So I, I will, will, that'll be enough. I won't mention the last name. May the psalm... Uh, read it Sunday Mass be changed. May someone choose to say a different psalm each Sunday. Uh, and what source should I have? Well, let me let me blast away. No, Sunday readings may not be arbitrarily changed. Um, a, I would assume that a bishop who is responsible for the liturgy in his diocese for good reason can change it. But the prayers and the readings of Sunday are something that draws all together 
as a community throughout the world. Canon 846 of the Code of Canon Law states, The liturgical books approved by the competent authority are to be faithfully observed in the celebration of the sacraments. Therefore, no one on personal authority may add, remove, or change anything in them. Number 22 on the Constitution of the Sacred Liturgy states, that's Constitution of the Sacred Liturgy, Liturgy, paragraph 22. Regulation of the Sacred Liturgy depends solely on the authority of the Church, that is, on the Apostolic See, and his laws may determine on the bishop. In virtue of power conceded by the law, the regulation of the liturgy within certain defined limits belongs also to various kinds of competent territorial bodies of bishops legitimately established. Therefore, absolutely no other person, not even a priest, may add, remove, or change anything in the liturgy on his own authority. Therefore, no one may change any approved and confirmed liturgical text. This includes, but is not limited to, the lectionary for Mass and the sacramentary. So the authoritative texts you're looking for, Z, are Canon 846 of the Code of Canon Law and the Constitution of the Sacred Liturgy, uh, paragraph 22 or section 22. You can't change it. Don't change it. Don't don't improve on it. You can't improve on it because we're doing it together for a reason. Okay, let me get another letter here. Uh, yeah, according to the general instruction, it should be sung whenever you can. And uh, you know me, I'm big on chant. And it's chant is that the sound tones are so simple. And the, uh, the simple chant is so simple. You know, uh, uh, again, I... I I have I have shared with you that that Gregorian chant is not the oldest form of music in the Roman Church. The oldest form is called Old Roman chant. It sounds just like there we go. This is Old Roman chant. Which one is this? Which I think this this is the, how mass sounded about 300 A.D. in Rome. This is how mass sounded, and. The Gregorian chant that we use was a monad, I believe, I, I'm stepping out a little on the ice here, but I'm pretty sure uh, that it was a monastic simplification that came to be applied to the wider church because it is so much simpler and easier to sing so that we could all sing together. Uh, so, uh, you know, this this is, and again, why am I so big on chant? Because the word of the Lord endures forever that that to me bible written by the holy spirit is superior to song lyrics written by some interesting person um the the chant uh, you know when you write a song lyric you're squeezing the words the lyrics into the melody you have to make the lyrics match the melody chant the melody is conformed to the words. The words are what's important. That's why I'm so big on it, because these things are written by the Holy Spirit. And why is singing so important? Because you, to sing, you have to use your diaphragm. To talk, that happens in your head. But singing, you take the deep breath, it comes from the very, the very, from the very heart of you, quite literally. So this is why singing is, is important in the liturgy. Uh, it, it involves more of our body. And why chant is important it highlights the text. So this said, um, uh, there you go. Uh, um, it's uh, I, I don't have a ketchup bottle present. Well, what can I chant? Oh, there's a bulletin from the local parish. 
Um, John the Baptist appeared preaching the desert of, Ju of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You do that three Sundays in a row and you got the melody in your head. Uh, it's very simple to do, and it can be, well, that's kind of boring. You get a whole congregation singing together. It's impressive and very beautiful. All right, just thinking about that. All right, this is a listener in Kane County. Uh, Father, I don't understand your beef about ushers and the communion lines. Not many people do. I'm not even sure I do. I am, I am the only one in our pew that goes to communion. My husband is not Catholic, though he attends Mass with us, and my teens do not take communion because they don't believe in God. Therefore, I'm the only one in the pew that goes to communion. The ushers have never, ever tried to get any of my family members to go to communion. In fact, we may, we've never experienced this at any parish we belong to uh, or attended as a guest. Your problem with communion, ushers, truly confuses me. This brings me to another issue. As a teen, I made some sacrilegious communions because my mother insisted that I go to communion every Sunday. I have since confessed these sacrilegious communions, but please tell parents not to make their children go to communion. Well, that second part is true, but hey, you're very fortunate that you've never been kind of cajoled into, uh, into going to communion, and you seem like someone who has learned uh, honesty the hard way <laughs> by having been made to go to communion. But there are people who feel very strange if they don't go up to communion. And again, uh, uh, and I'm still hoping to find the, the actual document, but in an instruction, I have been told uh, that in an instruction, St. Pope John XXIII uh, said, don't go row by row uh, to communion because don't force that because it, it it's, may end up in sacrilegious communions. Of course, we don't think of sacrilegious communions anymore. That's just not a big deal. Um, yes, it is. It's a very big deal. All right. Again, with the, the ushers. Let me let me do another one more letter, and then we'll take a break. All right. A few weeks ago, I attended the funeral mass of a family friend. Right before communion, the officiant told the congregation, if you are not prepared to receive communion, don't come up. Stay in the pew and say a prayer. <laughs> Normally, I would hear, if you're not Catholic, you can come up and receive a blessing. I was a little taken aback and thought that maybe Father had a pressing appointment after Matt and needed to leave right after the service. The church where the funeral was held in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. I'm guessing maybe a memo went out. Um, you know, oh, here I go, being a curmudgeon again. Uh, say that again? What was that? No, it doesn't take long at all, especially since we have uh, or extraordinary ministers, but... Um, the, uh, uh, this is maybe me just being a curmudgeon again. I don't like the idea of people coming up and getting a blessing. You get a blessing at mass at the end of mass. That's when you get a blessing. And why is it that we do this blessing thing? Well, because it's the same thing that, that, you know, when you have a sports competition and you get the award for also participating, so no one feels bad. Don't forget what communion is. You're not coming up to get something. Communion isn't a blessing. According to St. Paul, if you receive it unworthily, it's a curse. At 1 Corinthians, read it. Communion is a curse if you receive it unworthily. You're not coming up for a blessing. You go to Mass not to get something, but to give something. You're giving your life to Christ. And Well, I don't want people to feel bad because they didn't get communion. You know, we are, we are, we have become so, I don't know what the word is. I suppose spoiled, you know, that, that, uh, I have a theory that after this second world war, 
All these guys who'd been miserable in the trenches after the First World War, Depression, and the Second World War, they came back from the trenches in the Second World War, and they got what I call Scarlett O'Hara syndrome. Remember the movie Gone with the Wind, which I think is now illegal or something, but Scarlett O'Hara gets finds a potato, and she's munching on this raw potato full of dirt that she just dug up. She's starving after the Civil War, and she lifts the potato to heaven and shakes her fist and says, I swear to God I will never be hungry again. Um, the Scarlett O'Hara syndrome. People came home and said, my kids are not going to suffer the way I did. And, you know, from the greatest generation, we went to the most spoiled generation, mine. And then my spoiled generation has proceeded to spoil the generations after it. They say, no, 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 we don't want you to feel bad about anything. Some things maybe you should feel bad about um, on occasion. Um, but we have this kind of uh, um, strange view of society that, that well, no one should, should be disappointed about anything. That betokens... Uh, a shallow understanding of mass. You don't go to mass to get something. You go to mass to give something. You'll get something, believe me. The grace of God is more than you can imagine. But that's not the purpose for it. You go to mass to give your life to Christ. When you receive the Eucharist, you're saying, as he puts his flesh and blood, his body, soul, uh, his flesh, his blood, his soul, his divinity, on this altar for me, I place my my body, blood, soul, and humanity on this altar with him for the salvation of the world, for the well-being of the church, and, and, and for the glory of God. I'm giving my life to Christ when I receive the Eucharist, and I'm in communion with him on the cross. I didn't get, I didn't get the wine fodder. How come I can get a blessing? I, I, I think it's a bad idea. You know, so often kids have come up and received their first Holy Communion uh, without any preparation at the age of four because they were big kids and their parents brought them up for the blessing. And the communion minister or the priest just said, here, it happens. You know, I, I, I just, again, the Eucharistic revival, I pray the bishops are inspired and brave. All right, with that thought, let us go to a break. We will come back with the word of the day. Oh, and the phone number, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. We will be right back. And of course, let's go to the word of the day. <laughs> Bong, gong. There we go. All right. Um, the gong didn't play. Uh, the voice in my head had to had to move back and whack the gong again. Okay. Um, the the. We, um, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, we see in the first reading. Oh, what's the word for glory? It's kavod in Hebrew. But it's an interesting word because it, it has to do with, with weight, with size, the bigness of God. It's just, it's related to the word for to be large. Uh, um, and it's related to the Greek word doxa, the exterior manifestation uh, of, of the inner 
the inner reality is, as far as I can tell, that's really what the word doxa means. But this idea of, of this is, you can look at this and this is huge. This is really something. And I think that that's the most appropriate word to apply to the Lord. Because when you perceive how great, how great he is, how great thou art. Well, it is, it is bigness. All right. At any rate, let us now go to phone calls. This is smart. Maxwell smart. All right, let's go to Barbara, who's from uh, Santa Monica, California. Barbara, are you with us? Yes, I am, uh, Father. Good. I have a question. Yes, yes. John ten thirty four. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I have said you are God? And I know that's from Psalm 82, 6. Yes. But I used to be into New Age, and they used to say that all the time. <laughs> So I just wanted to know what Jesus meant by that when he, when he gave that quote. Well, what he's saying is, what they're saying to him is, how dare you make yourself the son of God? And he said, well, your own law, it says, are we not sons of God? Uh, are we not gods? Um, that, that, well, the, the idea is, this is a huge idea that, that Jesus is introducing here. God is not a solitude, but a solidarity. The Trinity, St. Pope John Paul the Great, the Second, whichever one, said that, that um, God is the perfect family, perfectly one yet perfectly diverse. Um, and our destiny is not simply to go to heaven. Our destiny is to be brought into that relationship, which is God. We don't become gods. We become part of that unity, which is God. It's called apotheosis. So those New Age religions and different religions that say you're going to be a god, well, that's nuts. Uh, but we do believe that we're going to be brought into the relationship which is God. And so I think in a sense, the Lord is uh, kind of revealing this. Um, the, the, uh, the Jews began to pick up stones uh, to stone him because they said, well, let me go back one more verse in this. Uh, he said, I and the Father are one. And he's talking about the oneness of God. Well, how can God be one in the Trinity? This is what we mean about, this is what we believe about the nature of the oneness of God. It's a oneness of unity, not of isolation. So that's what he's saying. And so Jesus responded, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? And he says, in, in, uh, uh, he says, we're not stoning you for good works, but for blasphemy, because you, who are a man, declare yourself to be God. And he said, well, in your own law, it says, uh, 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 I, I've said that you are gods. That, that he's not saying that they are gods. He's saying that that is uh, um, uh, from, as you said, Psalm 82, 6. Now let's look at Psalm 82.6 and see what it says. They do not know or understand. They wander in the darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I have said that you are gods. You are all sons of the Most High. But like mortals you will die. Like rulers will you, you will fall. So the psalm is saying you are godlike. That there's a godlike element to humanity. That we can love not as greatly as God loves, but when we love truly, we, we do what God does. We can know, not as God knows, but we imitate God in our knowing. He says, but even though, even though uh, 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 you're, 
we have this divine, this reflection of the divine element in humanity, you'll die and your rulers will fall. Uh, so does that help a little? Yes, yes, it does. Yeah, yes, but Jesus, you. I think Jesus is introducing this idea of apotheosis, that we're going to be brought into the relationship, which is God. That's our destiny. And and it's more than heaven. You know, it's more than heaven. It's a beautiful idea. So, well, thanks for calling. Thanks for listening. I hope that helps. God bless. Thank you, All Father. Right. It does. Thank you. Okay, God bless. Thanks for calling in. Let's go to Dan, who's calling from Montgomery, Illinois. Dan, are you with us? Yes, sir. Yes, Father. Thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, so I was in confession yesterday, and then afterwards, you know, I went home, and I was sitting there just reading the Gospels, and I realized that I lied in confession. Oh, dear. Yes. Um, yeah, and it's something that happened a long time ago, my past, sure. and I realized, yeah, I did not speak the whole truth. I need to fix this. Um, is... I, I'm, I'm planning on going back sure. and repairing this now. Now, uh, let me is ask this you about repairable. Oh, God, it's 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 done. Uh, it's forgiven unless unless that lie caused someone's death or serious injury or serious impoverishment. Uh, was it a lie of that status? No. No. no, so you didn't commit a mortal sin, and venial okay. sins are forgiven by by. Any confession, if you forget, if you forget a mortal sin, uh, okay. then you should. It's forgiven, but you should repeat it. Mm -hmm. This you don't even have to okay. repeat, though it would probably be a good thing because it sounds like it weighs on your conscience. But yes, you, it you, is. You, I, yes. I, it, do I? Because I was going to go back to confession to, and and just fix it and retell it. Now you, you what, don't do have, I have to, to rush. Go to that? You don't, I don't have, have to rush. rush. No, and you're Do I have to go to my same priest? No, no, you don't. You don't. Um, okay. Because that that sin is absolved. Mm -hmm. All venial sins are absolved by the absolute confession. Mortal sins okay. are absolved if one honestly forgets to tell them. Uh, but I if see. one hides a, a mortal sin, then that is considered a. Um, an invalid confession, and, and you have to go back. But no, for this you wouldn't even okay. have to go back. But it sounds like you want to, and it's not a bad thing to do. Uh, okay, to go back. will do. All right, I hope that helps. All right, thanks a lot, Father. I love God your bless, show. Dan. Oh, I'm. I have a lot of fun with it. I really do. Well, thanks for listening, <laughs> Dan. God bless. Love Rachel. It. Take care. Rachel. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. Rachel from Bloomington, Minnesota. What can I do for you, Rachel? Hi, Father Simon. Um, so there, the a few. Weeks back, we had this story of there was a certain beggar named Lazarus in Luke. Yes. And yes. I've always, I think I, I forget if I have already called this question into you, but what is your perception of, you know, and the dogs licked his wounds. I always felt like there was something unstated in, like in air quotes, the dogs licked his wounds. What does that mean? Is it good? Is well, it bad? Me, oh, no, no, that's not a good thing. Uh, the dogs... Uh... Let me look this up to make sure it's dogs. I, I have this big thing about the people who say, well, Jesus called this, uh, the, 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 the Lebanese woman a dog. He didn't. He called her a puppy. Duh, but this, is, this, I believe, is the word for dog. Uh, I'm gonna, I wanna, just want to make sure. Okay, press the magic button, and there we are. Luke 16.21. Okay, uh, I'm sure that's the word for dog. Uh, okay, the trapezes. Yeah, it's the word for dog. It means he's homeless. He's 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 oh. homeless. Uh, 
Because you see, a dog, uh, little itty bitty lap dogs and puppies were much loved in the ancient world. Dogs were not. Dogs, and you'll see this in the third world still, you have these mangy uh, dogs that just kind of hang around and eat whatever they can get their 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 jaws on and they're they're thin they're mangy they're they're hideous and they're semi-feral and they hang around town the outskirts of town seeing what what garbage they can get um those those are dogs uh they aren't puppies they aren't little they aren't domestic pets um so it would mean he was homeless that he he had nowhere even to hide from these these dogs who would come up and lick his sores it's kind of gross isn't it? are they like licking her are they trying to lick his sores as if he's like the next piece of meat well yeah they're not going to eat him too while he's still alive but you know dogs like to lick people i don't know if you've noticed and uh um the the uh the dogs licking people i always have a feeling they're they're trying to see if we're edible but um that whole parable i think is a wonderful story and it's kind of funny because the i think it really is a joke uh this that isn't the funny Mm. part of it but he's talking about the high priest and his five sons so a man in fine purple he's he's dissing the high priest and people would have gotten that right away so yeah but no i think it refers Mm. to the homelessness of lazarus and lazarus just means joe smith it's just a, a Jewish guy, some guy, you know, Joe Blow. So does that help? All right. Yes. May, I ask, right. well, may I ask for a book recommendation in addition? Well, if I, I'll try. What, what, what do we got? What are you looking for? So I, I, was, I, I recently read in Revelation was just this little part where it talks about the out of the smoke, the locusts came and yeah. descriptions of teeth were like lions. Yep. And Are you looking like for a iron. book of Revelations re- reference or a book? Mm, rec- uh, actually, no. I I really like the graphic artistry well, of it, biblical pieces, and I'm wondering if you have a book that really captures the the drawings accurately no, as the I, I don't Bible know. describes. If if one of our listeners art. knows, I'd love to know. But well, we'll keep our eyes open for it. I gotta let you go because we got Deacon Chick, the the Colonel of Truth, on line one. Deacon Chick. Are you there? Hello, brother. Yo, the yes, kernel of truth. Yeah. Wow. Just well, thought, what can I do uh, for you? I need to add a, lo- a little nuance to what you were saying uh, regarding using something other than the, the psalm pr- printed in the uh, missalettes uh-huh. during Mass. Okay. Uh, you, you had a, a correct citation that nobody has the right to change it. However, in the uh, germ, the general instruction for the Roman Mass, uh, paragraph 61, uh, that in the last two paragraphs of that, or chap- uh, they specifically allow for use of other texts as long as they are psalms from the uh, saving from other co- collections of psalms or anaphons. Oh. But what what is not allowed is the substitution of a song or a hymn. hymn. But it must be hmm. uh, a psalm, and seasonal psalm, s- psalms are allowed. Well, and, thank, you. Uh, so, thank you. So there is, uh, there is a bit of room uh, for variation. So you're, uh, uh, the, the questioner 
um, may have noted that they were doing something that is not what was written in the book, but if, as long as it was still a psalm from an approved collection, uh, well, the director may have been right. So Now, what, what paragraph is that? Uh, 61. Because I will have to let that uh, caller or, or that correspondent know that. Thank you. That is very helpful. I didn't realize that. That's why we call you the Colonel of Truth. Oh, there you go. Gosh. An you actual Kentucky Colonel. I make you blush. See, everyone can see him <laughs> blushing. Well, thank you for that. I will I will try and amend that, uh, having given uh, that information. But no one can change the readings. But the psalm can be changed. If And the idea is if it's seasonal. Is that the idea? Uh, for instance, a seasonal or uh, the music director has some little bit of leeway to it, but it okay. cannot be, it must be a psalm and not uh, a simple song or hymn. Well, that's, that's tremendous. Thank you. Wow. Well, you heard it here first, folks. That, we live uh, to serve. Yes, we live to serve. <laughs> well, thank you. Wow. So how you doing? You're well? You're good? And everything's coming along? Looking forward to uh, the feast day, uh, uh, day after tomorrow, and uh, looking forward to Christmas as well. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you at some point during all of that. Well, God bless. I hear music in my head. Uh, the Reverend, the Reverend Colonel, uh, the Reverend Deacon Colonel, thank you for calling and clearing that up. Wow. Well, uh, speaking of clearing things up, don't go anywhere because Drew is coming up, and he's definitely someone who will clear things up.